Welcome to Mary's Cup of Tea, the self-love podcast for women. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski, an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that will inspire you to love yourself. Hello, self-lover. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure you know about my two books on self-love. If you're struggling with body image or self-acceptance, then I highly recommend you check out my first book, The Gift of Self-Love. It's a comprehensive workbook to help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to love who you are. Thousands of people have this book and the five-star reviews are so amazing. They give me so much life. So I hope that this is something that can help you too. You can get it wherever books are sold by searching for The Gift of Self-Love or go to my website, maryscupoftea.com slash book. After releasing The Gift of Self-Love and reading all your positive feedback, I realized that we really needed something to keep us going every single day. So not a deep dive workbook, but maybe like a micro dose of self-love in your daily life, which is why I wrote 100 Days of Self-Love. It's a guided journal with, you guessed it, 100 prompts that cover so many areas of life, including body, identity, purpose, emotions, mindset, relationships, and more. So you can really think of it as a metaphor multivitamin, something to keep you going, or as I like to say, growing on your self-love journey. You can get this journal wherever books are sold as well by searching for 100 Days of Self-Love or go to maryscupoftea.com slash journal. It's my mission to share all the self-love tea with you, so I hope that both my books and this podcast can do just that. Hey self-lovers, today I wanted to do a personal episode sharing with you my highs and lows and lessons learned in 2023. I went through every month of this year, took inventory, and teased out just some like memorable things that happened and also what I took away from them. As you're listening, I invite you to also go through every single month of this year and see what you remember. When I say remember, I mean do this exercise. At least this is the way I did it. You can do it however you want. But first, try to do it without like resorting to your phone or going through your photos or social media posts because I think that what we want to remember and what actually sticks can sometimes be two different things. So it's kind of fun to just go off of memory and rely on a little bit more like semi-conscious recalling just to see what it is from the past year that really stuck out to you. Before I dive into you know, January, February, all the months of this year. I also want to give you a big, 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 big thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to this podcast. For me and my family and my culture, the new year is actually kind of like a bigger deal than Christmas. We always celebrated like our version of Christmas on the new year. My mom and my grandma, we always do like really intense deep cleaning. And now I've taken that into like really intense deep cleaning of my digital spaces, which I did an episode about last week, and also like my energetic like aura. And as I reminisce, <laughs> I can't help but feel like this podcast has been such a big part of my growth and that's all thanks to your listenership. I'm not exactly sure all the time like who or how many people are listening, but if you're here right now, I'm just so eternally grateful. And with that being said, I'd also like to announce that for the first time ever, we secured a podcast sponsor for every month of next year. And this is really exciting because we're coming up on the four-year anniversary next week of the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. And this whole time it's been self-funded and this sponsor like re-signing to be like a consistent support is really helping offset the cost of that. It's not covering the full cost of production, but it is covering about half and that makes it sustainable enough for me to keep doing it and hopefully make these episodes better and better for you. So just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's dive into January. 
around this time last year, I was doing an exercise, you know, my cleansing, my intention setting. And I like to do this in a pretty like low key way, nothing too much to do with New Year's resolutions, but actually a little bit more reflective and keeping an open mind for the new year. And one big way that I do that is create a word of the year for every year. I set my word of the year for 2023 to be purpose. You might know that I've been struggling with purpose. I think a interesting byproduct of achieving your goals is that you're also kind of left with this sometimes empty feeling of like, what's next? And with that pressure for next to kind of like supersede whatever you just accomplished, right? Like always pushing forward to be more, to do better, to make things greater. And I think this is reflected in just like society and the way they expect things and the way we talk to each other. Like as soon as you get a a partner, they're like, okay, when's the wedding? And then when's the kids? And you have to buy the house. You have to check these boxes. And in the same way, like if you graduate or like got a job or a promotion, it's always like, okay, so what's next? Throughout your life, you might find that like you just have certain patterns where you're craving similar themes. And I think those, and I call them intentions, I think those are worth leaning into more so than like, I want to make this much money by the time I'm 30, or I want to have these many properties by the time I'm 40, or, you know, those kind of more materialistic goals. So when I set out that goal of purpose and for lack of better words, finding my purpose, this was the vocabulary that I had back then. Although if you've followed the journey on this podcast and all the times that we've talked about like feeling lost and finding your purpose, you know that we are now saying things more like micro purposes because it's very unlikely that you just have one big purpose that is steady your entire life. And it might be more true that you have like a lot of different interests and and things that you're passionate about. And those, I call them micro purposes. And a few episodes back, we also talked to Dr. Sarah Kubrick, who wrote a whole book about this idea of self-loss. And my biggest takeaway from that episode, I'll link it in the description. She talked about how you can't find yourself, you must create yourself. And I really, really, really like that. Just like a small shift in language. Anywho, when I chose my word of the year and I made it purpose, this was also around the same time that I released my new self-love journal, 100 Days of Self-Love. And I committed to doing every single prompt in that journal and documenting it on social media and just really being consistent with journaling. And it was kind of weird to be like reading my own words and using my own prompts. It was just like really interesting to actually (laughs) practice what I preach. And with that, like daily journaling, even though it's just five minutes a day, for some reason, and this is like my biggest takeaway from January, I got this sense that I wasn't like too thrilled about in the moment, but now I'm realizing that it was absolutely necessary. I realized that growing, and right now I'm calling it growing, kind of like instead of healing, because I don't feel like I'm like healed necessarily. I don't think anybody is always like healed past tense, but I feel like the word growing or like evolving is just more fitting for this time of my life. So if whether that's healing or growing, wherever you are in your journey, as you're going or growing through that, It is so much messier (laughs) than you might like, than you might think, than it might seem like on social media. I think that growth is more like mundane and like just so raw and real and sometimes boring and just 
sometimes you want to like bang your head against the wall and quit everything. And you might have like one day out of 50 where you're like, wow, this is like the sexy growth that I see on social media. And I'm really feeling good about myself. But most of the other days probably going to be like you in your pajamas or your home clothes, like all by yourself. Your room is probably going to be like a little cluttered and your mind is also probably going to be all over the place and getting through that hump and then putting pen to paper, regardless of how you feel about that experience or the appearance of that experience, even in just five minutes of journaling. And I think the same applies to like meditation, mindfulness, even things like being without your phone or going on a a walk or a hike. Once you get past that hump of like, I don't want to, this is like so not glorious. Then there's just like, shifts. Like that's when shift happens. (laughs) I say that instead of shit happens. I made this reel after I completed the 100 days of journaling challenge. And it was called like what I learned after journaling every day for 100 days. And I still think that it's such a great video, although it didn't do so well on social media. I'll try to like resurface it at some point. But I just went through like those phases of like just how annoying it can be to journal sometimes and that resistance and those blocks and then the feelings of like, oh, and heavy and just like whatever about it. And then there are feelings of like pure presence and like genuine joy and inner peace and acceptance and maybe some like enlightenment and things that just like open up but you can't really have one without the other. So to summarize, I learned in January that healing, growth, it's messy. And there's beauty in that mess. That's like why it's healing. That's why it's growth. It's not healing and growth despite the mess. It's because of the mess that healing and growth and shift happens. Going into February, this is my birthday month and it always ends up being like a pretty packed month for me because it's it's relatively short. It's my birthday. There's lots of stuff going on also in Arizona where I live. And this was the month that I had my bachelorette and I really leaned into the importance of female friendships. I truly believe that we teach what we most have to learn. So even though I talk a lot about friendship and connection and and true deep sisterhood. And I adore my sister. And I, of course, I love, love all of my friends. Sometimes it's, it's hard to like practice that and to actually bring people together. When it came to like wedding planning, when I was in the midst of that, it was so tempting to just kind of throw your hands up in the air and be like, I'm too tired. I don't want to plan anything else. I had thoughts like who would even come to a bachelorette? Like none of my friends know each other. They're from all over the U.S. I don't have like this solid group of girls that I (laughs) wish I did that I hang out with like every week or every month. And because of those like little mental blocks, I almost didn't have this bachelorette. And then I got this advice from a friend, which I want to pass on to you. I don't remember how she said it. It was way more eloquent than this. But what I got away from it was three, three and a half words. Don't skip steps. Don't skip steps. Again, I know that sometimes you might want to omit some kind of milestone celebration or gathering or act like it's like no big deal and you're too busy with other things. And maybe you genuinely do want to take that time instead to rest and be with yourself. By all means, do you. I felt like this at first too, but I am so glad that this one friend really pushed me gently. And all it took was like a couple text exchanges through this conversation, she just like pushed me to let myself be celebrated and like let myself be in that bride mode as cheesy as it was and and get my girls together knowing that like whoever wants to be there will make it happen and that people can put their differences aside to all hang out with each other or get to know each other fresh. And actually two of my friends ended up becoming best friends and then went on like two, three other trips together this year alone. They're like two peas in a pod and I'm obsessed with that bestie matchmaking (laughs) that happened through my bachelorette. 
after having that experience with my girls, I know that's something that I'm going to practice through every like milestone or big kind of like phase in my life, right? Like there's a reason why people do and celebrate and mark certain events in the form of a gathering, in the form of a ceremony. This year, we also had Priya Parker on the show and she wrote this amazing book called The Art of Gathering. And I first picked it up to be like a better retreat host and leader, but then I ended up using it for just like little dinner parties at my house or like getting together with family or something like a bachelorette, my wedding planning. So we did this whole episode kind of centered around wedding planning and the importance of of community. Even if there's conflict within that community, it still might behoove us to lean into gathering more often. And I think after the pandemic, a lot of people are on board with this idea. But in case you find yourself like a little bit more hesitant or introverted in that way, don't skip steps. (laughs) Celebrate your accomplishments. Get people together. Money can be made back, but memories, experiences, this time in your life will never be this time in your life ever again. So I'm really glad that I had the bachelorette and, and our wedding in March. March, it was the month that I got married 32323 is our anniversary date. Yes, because I am a basic bitch and I love numbers like that. And it's cool to remember and fun to tell our kids in the future. So in that month I got married, there's so much I can say, but I feel like I've already talked exhaustively about our wedding and we have a whole podcast episode of me and husband sitting down reflecting on it. It's the most listened to episode for a reason because it's just so sweet and wholesome. I'll link that wedding reflections episode in the description as well in case you want to listen to that. But I will also add this big takeaway that I kind of just like kept repeating it to my husband after experiencing our wedding. People will surprise you. People that you never thought would show up to your wedding because they've been estranged from the family for so long or you've been estranged from their family for so long. And then next thing you know, they're there and they're giving this beautiful wedding speech and dancing with you and certain other family members you thought would never, ever be in the same room together, let alone talk, let alone hug. And then we have a photo of that hug. And did they repair their relationship? No, but they set their differences aside for one day. And then there's those who you think are really going to show up for you and then they kind of let you down or people you thought weren't sentimental or, or that caring or emotional with their wedding speech, for example, they just like blow you away. And then other people that, again, you kind of like expected more from you know, it doesn't really end up that way. One big, big example is with my dad. I'm going to share something with you about my dad, but please don't judge him harshly, even though there's a lot I could be judging him harshly for. But I say this just to share a little part of my life with you, not to like criticize my father. My whole life, he has told me to like get married and have children as soon as possible, basically, and not he wouldn't say this in a misogynistic sense, although I guess it's like innately misogynistic that he would like preach to his little girl that this was like my whole purpose in life. But I think for him, it was more so that it was something he never had and always wanted. And then, of course, he took the divorce with my mom really hard. It was a freaking 15 year divorce. Aside from that, he also grew up in an orphanage with parents who died really early and all of that, just like a lot, a lot of trauma. So I think when he was telling me about the importance of like marriage and family. It was more so because he thought that that's what success was in some ways because it's something he never had. So I really expected him to resurface. And by resurface, I mean, if you've followed or listened to me closely, my father hasn't talked to me in like two and a half years. He kind of just fell off the face of the earth out of nowhere. I've had friends go to his house. He lives in Russia. So I was really worried that something bad might have happened, but I did have like friends and later the police visit his house and he's there. I guess he just doesn't want to talk to me and I have no idea why. And I've sent him texts and phone calls and emails and all of that. I know he's reading them because I see that double blue check mark on WhatsApp. All that to say, I, in the back of my mind, kind of assumed that when I sent him like 
an engagement photo or, you know, told him that we're getting married or sent him wedding photos after I thought that he would kind of come out of the woods and talk to me if only to like congratulate me on achieving this like goal he's always had for me. And he didn't, you know, he didn't. So there are some people that will disappoint you. They'll surprise you in kind of an unpleasant way. And then there's going to be other people that, again, like you never, ever thought that they would show up for you in such a big way. And it's pleasantly surprising. So people will surprise you is, is something that can be taken either direction, but I think overall it helps us lean into a little bit more compassion for individual people. Like knowing that everybody's dealing with their own shit, they're all probably doing the best they can. I know it might not be good enough for you in this moment. And obviously the feelings of resentment and anger and rage sometimes need to be worked through as well. But there's going to be other people that will surprise you in a way that is also healing and almost like the antidote to those who let you down. So people will surprise you. In April, this is going into some family stuff that I can't share publicly out of privacy and respect, of course, but it was an experience. It was me and my husband's like first big marital family struggle. And as I was kind of like in the thick of it, it's kind of hard to explain what my role was in this situation, but let's just say that I spent some time in psychiatric hospitals, not checked in, but like in the lobby of one. And through this mental health crisis, I learned that sometimes the biggest difference, not sometimes, I would almost say like 99% of the time, the biggest difference between someone who's struggling and is able to like get through that struggle and cope and manage and actually live like a really fulfilling life. I'm sure we've all struggled ourselves at some point. The only difference between those who get through it and those who suffer tremendously and perhaps a lot more than they would have is luck. Like so much of it is luck. Like the family that you were born into, your socioeconomic status, like what resources you have at your disposal, how things just kind of unfolded and panned out in such a way that one person has somebody to, to vouch for them and to help them and to support them when they're low. And then another person like literally has fucking nobody. And that's just devastating to see. I had a pretty mind-altering experience and it was simply overhearing a conversation of a woman who who came in because her brother was like, I think, going to harm himself or others. And basically that she was told that there's nothing that they could do because he was totally alone. He was totally estranged. She had no access, no key to his apartment, no way to get him out of that situation. She was his only kin. And whatever happens to her brother is just like kind of up to fate or luck, the universe, God, whatever you believe in. And that's just such a devastating place to be. So aside from like family and friends and and support in general being so important, I also like got home that night and I was like, I am so lucky. I am just so lucky. I listen to a lot of podcasts. You know, I love the personal growth world and I just know for myself that the people that I see as most successful will almost always admit that luck played a huge role in that success. And again, success doesn't just have to be money or fame, but success is in like, I feel safe in my home most of the time and I have basic needs met. Like that's already success, you know? And just having that is... It just it just makes me feel so lucky. So yeah, it was it was humbling and hard, and I'm I'm grateful that we got through it as a family, but also cognizant that 
a lot of people don't necessarily make it to the other side because they might not be so lucky. So sorry, that was heavy and dark, but it was big for me. Okay. In May, you know, I was still feeling pretty lost in life, kind of going through the motions and feeling quite discouraged about life. May is also when it starts getting pretty hot in Arizona. That's when it really starts warming up. So a lot of Arizonans can attest to the fact that we kind of get this like reverse seasonal depression because when it starts getting hot, you're just spending all your time indoors under the air conditioning and life outside is not uh, <laughs> not conducive to humans. And as I was like, pondering what to do next, I found myself at the bank with my husband because we had just gotten married a couple months ago and we decided to open up a joint bank account. And I told you this story when I was sharing with you how the idea of tea came into fruition. But in case you haven't heard that, the short version is I was sitting at the bank and the banker was like, what do you do? I'm like, I have this company, Mary's Cup of Tea. He's like, do you sell tea? And I'm like, no, but maybe I should. And that's literally how I ended up revisiting this idea of Mary's cup of tea after seven years, like initially wanting to do tea and then kind of giving that up and now coming back to it seven years later. About three years ago, I started putting together a playlist with uplifting, inspiring, and empowering songs. I originally did this for myself because I love music of all different genres, and every time I would notice a song that just made me feel good, I would add it to my self-love playlist. And now there are over 300 songs on my Spotify self-love playlist, and these tracks are perfect for when you're getting ready, trying to hype yourself up, or going through a struggle and need a reminder for how badass you are. If you love music as much as I do, then go to maryscupoftea.com slash playlist to get the Spotify link. It will ask you for your email so that I can send you this self-love playlist. And full transparency, this will also put you on my email list where I send out a monthly newsletter about stuff I'm thinking about, personal things, things I don't really share on social media, and all the happenings in the Mary's Cup of Tea world. So go to maryscupoftea.com slash playlist and let's start jamming to my self-love playlist together. In July, or wait, June. How can we skip June? It's my sister's birthday. She turned 15 in June and we went on a trip to see my best friend in the Midwest. My sister goes to this like amazing summer camp up there. And every year we take this trip. I stay with my best friend. Alana joins us. We drop her off at camp. It's like this beautiful experience full of the best sisterhood vibes. And as I was like taking her up there to camp, you know, I get a lot of emotions because she's gone for a month and celebrating her birthday is like a big deal for me because I just still can't believe sometimes that I have a sister, especially such an amazing and bright and funny and creative and cool one at that. So as I'm like going through all these waves of emotions with like my baby sisters growing up, I also throughout the summer, like starting June and once she got back from camp and started the new school year, we also went through some like difficult phases this year, my sister and I. You know, we had some like difficult conversations, some that even turned into fights. We drifted apart, you know, went a couple weeks without talking, which is so unusual for us. And I, you know, would go from like the big sister, like bitterness to just always wanting to like welcome her with open arms and like, please come back to me. Can we please be close again? But I think just the simple lesson there is just that every relationship goes through its phases, friendships, lovers, family, sisters, and those phases like need to be respected in some way. Like you kind of, you have to give somebody space sometimes. You have to hold them up when they're down. You might have to like push them sometimes and motivate them. Other times you might need to like take a step back and just like let them do their thing. And being able to grow with my sister in that way, although 
unsettling at times, like when we're not as close. It also makes the moments that we like reunite, like the past two, three months have been so yummy hanging out with my little sister. We've just had like the best times. We're back to having like sleepovers on the weekends and making funny videos and all these inside jokes. And she actually just called me right before I started recording this podcast episode. She's like, are you busy? I need to vent. And you know, we had that (laughs) fun conversation of her venting. And I'm just like so honored that I'm the person she calls, but that doesn't mean I'm always the person she calls, you know? So I think it's it's okay for relationships to ebb and flow and for dynamics to shift and change, especially the ones that are longer term. In July, my mom and I went to Portugal accompanied by her best friend. And I don't know if you've been on this side of TikTok recently, but on my feed, at least, I see this kind of like big movement and shift toward acknowledging that our mothers, as difficult as those relationships can be sometimes, that they're also like little girls too, right? Like your mom was a young girl, a young woman she's also like human, right? And figuring shit out. And she was probably like so scared to become a parent and so terrified to give birth and like going through all like similar, I think there's like universal womanhood connected experiences that a lot of us go through, but we forget that like our moms are kind of people too. And I think this applies to both of our parents, but at least on on my side of TikTok, I've just been reading these beautiful poems about how like your mom had to give up some of her hopes and dreams. And she also, you know, broke hearts and made mistakes and like maybe isn't just the role of your mom. Like maybe there's this whole other side of her personality that you've never even seen or like allowed yourself to see because us daughters were kind of like caught up in our own shit. And that's partially the beauty of motherhood that you kind of like take a step back because as a mother, you're, you're there for your child to like bloom and develop. And sadly, we don't get to know our mothers and like all of their multifacetedness. So in this trip to Portugal with my mom and it just kind of hit my mom and I that when are we ever going to take an international trip together again? Like especially if I'm thinking about having kids, it might not be as easy of a possibility. And so we, we rallied, we enrolled her best friend also into coming with us because we, the three of us traveled to Bali together many years ago. And we just wanted to like recreate that little trio that we had. And it was so fun. And it was also so cool to see like my mom with her bestie, (laughs) like my mom has a best friend. Did you know that? I don't know. I found that so fascinating. Like I knew she had friends, but I've never like spent intimate time with her and her bestie and saw how she is around other people that are like not necessarily me or other family members. Our moms have friends. They have their own secret fuck-ups that they never told you about. They had this whole life before you, before they shifted into the role of being your caretaker and getting to know your parents as an adult is such a privilege because in some ways you're also getting to know who they were before they had you, right? Because their primary like responsibility now that you're older, is not just like taking care of you. So maybe they're finding like bits and pieces of themselves that they had lost or they're just turning into this person that you don't recognize that doesn't come without its own challenges. My mother and I have had (laughs) our our fights and, and I know that not everybody gets to like have a mom who's alive and well or be close enough to her to fight. But in this trip to Portugal, it was just such an honor to see my mom like free to be herself, if that makes sense. And I also realized that when it comes to these generational curses, like she might not have broken all of them. There might be stuff that I still am like so angry that she had to pass on to me, but she probably broke a lot more of them than I even know, that I even know to think about because she hasn't told me, you know? I know there's stuff that she has told me and then I know there's stuff that she hasn't told me. So yeah, seeing my mom as this like whole person was just such a privilege and honor and I felt so 
lucky to be able to do this trip with her. Going into August, this is when we had our safari honeymoon when we went to Tanzania and did a whole wildlife safari experience. And then I went to Dar es Salaam, the capital, and I got to visit the tea facility where I was sourcing tea from got to meet the whole team. And then I decided to like make this whole tea thing a reality. And that was right after our safari. Then we popped on over to Dar es Salaam. And then we went over to the island of Zanzibar, which was like the most amazing vacation I've ever had in my life. I mean, this whole honeymoon was a trip of a lifetime. And we recap all of that in episode 176. So I, again, just like our wedding, I could share so much about that, but I just want to leave it at pure gratitude. Like I just feel pure, pure, pure gratitude being out in the wild and like seeing animals exist. And there's something different about an African sky (laughs) for some reason. Like people, people have talked about it and I read about it before I went on this trip, but it was just different experiencing it. It's like almost endless. Like you look up at the sky and the stars and they're just so like vast there. Maybe it's because like Tanzania is near the equator. So maybe this doesn't apply to Africa as a whole. But anyway, it just felt so unique, so special. I was so grateful for all of it. Even the times when we got sick and we're shitting ourselves and, you know, all those bumpy rides that we had to go through, the whole thing was just extraordinary. I can't recommend it enough. And I was just present and and grateful for every, every single moment. Going into September, this is when I officially decided to do another retreat. I came back from the honeymoon and I just felt re-energized. And I also was thinking about this one beautiful place that my mom and I saw while we were in Portugal. And I just couldn't not do a retreat there. And of course, I was like scared and nervous and all the emotions that I feel like go on this roller coaster when it comes to planning retreats because it's such like a, not only is it a big event, but it's a really vulnerable experience that demands a lot of my emotional energy and attention. And I, I love doing it, but I can't like do more than one or two a year. So it makes them that much more exciting when I do do them. And back in September, when I, you know, when I officially decided and I put it out there, I'm nervous for every retreat and I always think like nobody's going to sign up. Nobody's going to come. I had some hesitations. Like I'm like, do people want to go to Portugal? Is it weird that it's going to be winter? Like the retreat would be in January. All these like little thoughts I had. And then it sold out like the fastest that I've ever seen a retreat fill up. So I, I wrote in my journal, you know, when you lead from the heart, people will come. And that was my whole intention, not just for the retreat, but also like really working on my relationship with social media and making the content that I post a little bit more like the Mary who started her social media, not the Mary who like turned into this this influencer. Like I really wanted to go back to those heartfelt posts and hopefully I was able to do some more of that. But I just keep reminding myself, like when you lead from the heart, like the right people will come they'll be there and it'll be the most connecting and joyful experience. And I can't wait for it to happen in January, this coming January. Oh my gosh, which is in like a week. Crazy. October was a hard month. Um, I think we all know that there was a big world event that happened that a lot of people felt closely tied to or were somehow sucked into becoming experts overnight and feeling very passionately about their humanitarian cause. For me, not only was this deeply personal, and also it was just like so freaking exhausting, like two places that I'm deeply connected to are struggling and, you know, Ukraine and Israel and Palestine and just having like a lot of identity ties to to those places. Not only was it devastating for me personally and my husband's family who was, you know, hiding in the bunkers and till this day, obviously it's not over till this day we're 
still checking in and making sure they're okay. And sadly, a lot of people are not okay. But I think it's just been really disheartening to see how the internet has been pulling people in so many different directions and and using, picking and choosing their moral stances based on what's going to benefit them the most. And this includes, you know, big news sources that we trust. Maybe there's like influencers or activists, or maybe there's some people in your own life that have like disappointed you. Maybe I'm one of those people. I don't know. Because I always get that like you spoke too much or you didn't speak enough. And it's really hard to find your place. I keep coming back to that. Like, if you can't find your place, like maybe it's not your fucking place. But anyway, (laughs) I I had and I'm having a hard time with that. Um, And so in October, I decided, I was like, you know what? A lot of things start with me. And before I start shouting into the abyss, I'm going to read a book that has been on my nightstand on my TBR list for quite some time. And that book is called Nonviolent Communication. I also did a whole podcast episode about it, like a little mini book review and sharing with you my biggest takeaways from it. And I just love the lessons in that book about empathy and compassion and how to not just talk to people, but listen to people. And I felt like this was its own type of solution. Obviously, it's not the solution to world peace, but I had this sense that if we could all just take a moment to breathe and practice with ourselves instead of fighting with each other in the comment section of Instagram and TikToks, then maybe we wouldn't be in this pickle in the first place. Our couples therapist, we were talking about like how we are in conflict and I'm a little bit more direct and my husband is a little bit more not that way. He likes to kind of sweep things under and not start a fight. And so our couples therapist was kind of like guiding us toward how to have a healthy amount of conflict. And he said, wars start because of people's inability to work through conflict. So conflict is not the cause of a war. Conflict is actually what prevents a war. And that was really interesting to me how it applied to like our marriage and also how it applied to like what's going on globally with current events. And I know that some people might say like it's it's a cop-out to be like, this is a long-standing conflict. And it is. And there's people that have been benefiting from it being such a long conflict. There's people on, I'm not even going to say both sides. I'm going to say all sides because there's so many sides. It's not just the two that the narrative is presenting to you because they always divide and conquer into us versus them. But they forget that they themselves are also a part of it. So it's not us and them. It's us and them and you and me. It's all of us. And I think that, you know, just really highlighted how other countries and governments, people in power are using this all to their own advantage. And it's, yeah, it was hard. It was devastating. It still is. But that month, my biggest takeaway or lesson learned is this quote by Bertrand Russell. I had to look up who that was. I'm sorry. I don't know. He's like a British philosopher, mathematician in the late 1800s slash first half of the 1900s. And I don't know too much about his beliefs or views or work. So please don't come at me if he's, well, I did check that he wasn't like a terrible person before I quoted him. (laughs) He said, the whole problem with the world is that fools and fanatics are always so certain of themselves, but wiser people are so full of doubts. The whole problem with the world is that fools and fanatics are so certain of themselves, but wiser people are so full of doubts. And I thought that was just like, wow. (laughs) By the way, this quote gets misattributed to Charles Bukowski. No, 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 no. (laughs) Um, In case you don't know, Bukowski is this like romanticized misogynist who wrote a couple of cool poems, but a lot of his work is a little bit problematic. November was also hard because not only we were still or we are still in the midst of this terrible war in the Middle East. (sighs) My husband also got into a car accident. He got hit by a drunk driver. And that happened while I was away. I was in New York with my girlfriends. It was such a beautiful trip aside from receiving that news. And it was 
in some ways worse than I thought and in other ways better than I thought. And speaking of what I thought, my kind of like lesson from this is about living in hypotheticals and how useless and counterproductive that is. These hypotheticals of like, what if, right? What if this happened? What if that happened? It's such an anxiety-provoking way to think. And it was so tempting for me. And I did fall into quite a few spirals of like thinking about like, what if it was worse? Or what if my husband was taken from me? And also the flip side, like, why didn't I just fucking stay home? Like, why did I go on this trip? What if I was home? What if we did this differently? What if that? And there's a couple other things that happened this year that I can't talk about publicly, but it sent me into these like dark places of like self-blame. And I think that hypotheticals, like on the surface, they seem like harmless, but when we go into them, they're pretty self-destructive. You can be afraid of hypotheticals, right? You could be like, what if this bad, terrible thing happened? That's anxiety. (laughs) You can be jealous of hypotheticals. You can be like, or in a hypothetical, you can be like, oh, if only I had this, what if, you know, that word, if I had what she has or they have. You can also wish for hypothetical scenarios. You can want it to be different, but it's not. Like it is what it is right now. Like you can live in the hypotheticals, but really all you have is now. So when you're playing these what if games with yourself and when you're blaming yourself for the result being different than what it is now, not only are you like wasting precious mental real estate, but you're also not letting yourself be in the present moment. And that was big for me in November. And as my husband continues on his like full recovery journey, there's a lot of things we've had to give up that we loved, like pickleball and hiking. But luckily, slowly but surely, and through physical therapy, he is getting back into it. He is okay. Things are more or less normal, but I just feel so bad that like physically he's still in so much pain, but hopefully time will heal his body. And I just hope that, you know, this is like a big wake up call and a reminder to us to not only drive safely, defensively, not be on our phones, but also be so, so grateful for every moment spent together. Okay, December. That's where we are now. I'm recording this on December 21st, so I still have 10 days to live December. Perhaps there might be more takeaways, but here's what I have for you for now. So this month was when I launched my tea. I see so many more possibilities after doing this. My goal with the self-love tea and creating Hibiscus Heart, which was my first tea blend, I truly just wanted to like try this little venture, see how it goes. I had no idea that so many people would buy it. I literally don't even have tea left for myself. So thank you. If you're one of those people that bought it, you've robbed me of my own tea. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just so like, I'm so ecstatic. And it was like this high for a whole week of um, this tea launch. I, I just didn't know that so many people were interested in drinking what I created. And it was so different than like what my usual brand is, which is like, you know, books and podcasts and retreats that really depend on like me, Mary, mentally, like being mentally stimulating. Tea is like a little product. Like it's, it's a little piece of me, but it's also kind of outside of me enough that I can have this like healthy detachment from its result. And create like this little business that isn't so dependent on like Mary, the public figure that people see online. So in that way, like it was really liberating and I hope to do more of that in the future. I'm not quite sure what that looks like because there's just a lot of difficult logistics when it comes to shipping and customs and the exorbitant cost of all of that. The first round of tea, like I priced it to just barely break even on my end and I don't regret a thing, but like if I'm going to keep doing it, like I got to make at least a little bit of money to justify it. So I'm figuring out how how that's going to go. But now I guess I'm just like, you know, it's funny because my word of the year was purpose, but now I'm like so detached from finding my purpose because I'm not like 
again, I'm not caught up in this idea that it's going to be one purpose and this is going to be like the thing that I'm going to do next. It's more like micro purposes. And the little tea thing, it was like fun. And there's also like no pressure to continue. And it's also really cool and exciting if I do decide to do it again. And it's the same way with like this retreat in Portugal. Like, I don't think I'm going to do another retreat just because I'm on a journey of trying to conceive and hopefully start a family. And traveling is difficult. Hosting retreats is not conducive to the first few years of motherhood. But anyway, maybe, who knows? Like maybe... I'll figure it out. Maybe there will be a way. Maybe maybe this podcast, like, I don't know, we just got our first consistent sponsor. Maybe there might be another one. Maybe this is something that I can do. And I think that there's just like so many possibilities. I just love saying that. There's so many possibilities. And I'm going to close with just little words of wisdom. If you're somebody who's also feeling lost in life, or maybe you're not even like feeling lost in life now, but you're kind of like, yeah, there's like a lot of things that I want to accomplish in my life. And sometimes that can get overwhelming, at least it does to me. So I tell myself that there are many possibilities, but your capacity is finite. And I don't say that to limit you, but rather to free you from the notion that everything you want to do must be done right now right? Like if you have like a certain vision for your life or goals, or like we talked about at the beginning, maybe it's nothing concrete, but more so a feeling that you want to feel. Maybe it doesn't all need to happen right away. Maybe you don't have to hustle and grind yourself into burnout for the sake of getting it all done. Because yes, on one hand, all the motivational speakers will tell you that life is short and life is precious. And like, obviously that was something big that I learned in November. That is all true. But also if you're so caught up and like life is short, so I have to do all the things under pressure, then you're also kind of like missing out on life itself. So there are many possibilities. There's so much that you can be doing. There is so much that you are going to do. But sometimes we also need a reminder to, to slow down, to take a step back, to be present because your capacity is finite. And for you to fully receive and absorb the present moment, you also have to say no to some things in exchange for a big yes and a big open, receiving, abundant energy to the things that matter to you and to whatever lessons that are meant to be learned on your path right now. I hope you enjoyed this personal reflective episode of what I learned in 2023. As always, everything I talked about, including past podcast episodes mentioned, will be in the episode description. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your year, a nice start to the new year. Please stay safe out there. Please, 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 please be safe, especially out on the roads. And I love you so much. If there's anything, any way that you want to share with me that this podcast or my voice has touched you, I would, as always, greatly appreciate that in the form of a review on Apple or a rating on Spotify. But more than anything, I just love hearing from you. So if you want to send me a DM about this podcast, responding to anything that I said, please feel free to do so. Okay. I love you so much and I'll talk to you next year. One last thing before we farewell, my self-lovers. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a review on Apple or rate the show on Spotify. You can do this by searching for the show, Mary's Cup of Tea. Scroll all the way down on Apple Podcasts and you'll see stars where you can click one of the stars and leave a few kind words. It just means so much to me because I'm so behind the scenes when I'm podcasting, so I don't really get to see the impact of the show unless you leave a review. And on Spotify, there's just a button that says rate the show and it'll let you put however many stars you want. Your feedback helps the podcast grow. And as someone whose love language is words of affirmation, your kind words mean the world to me. Thank you so much for supporting the show and helping me spread the gift of self-love. I love you all so much and I will talk to you in next week's episode.